0: This is the Gum Guru with Dr. Macon Singletary from North Raleigh Periodontics. This is a show about keeping your teeth and gums healthy and how a healthy smile affects your overall health. Today's episode is called "Has Anyone Told You You Snore? The Solution May Be Easier Than You Think." Welcome to the Gum Guru podcast with Dr. Macon Singletary. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Jason Kong and. Dr. Singletary, we've got a subject here that I think a lot of people can identify with, and we're going to be talking about snoring. So let's make the connection here. This is a, a show about periodontics. Why are we talking about snoring?
1: Well, you know, it's interesting uh, that you ask that, Jason, because if I ask about, if I ask my patients, 75% of them will say they have been told that they snore. It's a pretty prevalent incidence in our in our patient population. And and so the, the questions it begs to be answered is, what significance does that make in overall health? And it does. I mean, it does affect your ability to repair and fight infection. So obviously the reason why we have this program in our practice is because of me. I woke up about a year ago with this ugly man snoring in my face on my wife's cell phone. So it was pretty telling because I was a dying, the fact that I snore. So um, Dan Gordon and I, who's here with me today, and my wife went to a, a seminar that involves it was about 18 hours of continuing education on, on how to treat sleep apnea and um, so we've instituted this because of me and our practice it's uh it's pretty telling particularly if you don't go through normal sleep cycles it's a repair phase and if you don't do it you, you're going to have all sorts of systemic issues that are, can occur dementia cardiovascular issues there's a lot of secondhand
2: issues that are also involved. There's something called, you know, secondhand snoring. The bed partner suffers the most because they're kept awake by this. And that's actually how it all started because most people may not know that Monica's actually the uh, practice manager, so it's sort of like a family affair. And I recall one Monday morning where she looked like she would just not gotten a lot of sleep that night. And then that was one of the things that, you know, brought it in in the industry or what we've called uh, second-hand sleep apnea is when – partner of whoever is suffering from it actually has the raw end of the deal on it.
0: Yep. Yeah, I was going to ask you probably almost need to have the partner in there with you when you ask that question? Because sure. people can be pretty defensive when it comes to snoring,
2: yourself or included. Or deny. Yeah. I was it, denying it. You know, it took video it, evidence.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and you know, some of the uh, side effects of not going through normal sleep cycles is that in the afternoon you get this dip and people are driving and they fall asleep. They don't allow truck drivers to Go on the road without doing a sleep study you know, because it's a significant factor people falling asleep at the wheel so it, it affects relationships affects people around you so really you should identify
0: it. all right so dan we asked this question do you snore and if someone says yes <laughs> what comes
2: next Well, it's really kind of interesting. Like The way I found out about this is about eight years ago. I don't know if anybody can see this or if this is ever going to be televised or pictures with it, but I'm about 6'6 and 270 pounds. So even though I don't look at it, my BMI is over 30. So I technically qualify as obese. And about eight years ago, when I started falling asleep while driving, because I was a sales rep, I was spending about, you know, eight hours a day in the car and right, like Dr. Singletary said, right around two, three o'clock in the afternoon, didn't matter how many cups of coffee, my eyelids just kept getting heavier and heavier. And uh, actually, a, a dentist friend of mine during one of my checkups looked at me and said, we got to get you a sleep test. So when Dr. Singletary came in with you know similar symptoms and Monica looking a little bit worse for wear, you know we started to uh, expand up that into our practice. And Dr. Singletary was actually uh, patient zero um, for the sleep program. So when people say that you know if they have trouble sleeping, or the first question is just you know give me a little bit more information about that. Do you wake up in the night? Have you ever been out of breath? Do you have you know morning headaches? Are you tired? Has anyone noticed you stop breathing? There's a wonderful acronym, it's called the STOP Bang. It's if you stop breathing, if you're tired, or if you've been observed to stop breathing, if you have high blood pressure, things like that. Those are all sort of uh, adjunct conditions to having either snoring or sleep apnea. And there really is uh, is a differentiation between snoring and sleep apnea. Snoring by the medical community is actually considered an aesthetic issue. Like, oh, that's how it looks. Well, it's not how it looks. It's how it sounds, but it's still pretty bad. Whereas obstructive sleep apnea is actually, it's a pathology. It is a medical condition that is caused by the obstruction of soft tissue at the back of your throat that stops you from breathing. And with sleep tests today, which are very, very accurate, especially ones that we have, we use something called the uh, Metabyte, which is made by a company called Brave on It's this wonderful company in Canada. And it's it's everything is cloud-based, so you have sleep physicians that are able to look at it and help you diagnose it and go in and give you better recommendations about how to treat your patients. And everything sort of is based off this this score, it's called the AHI score, it stands for the Apnea Hypoxia Index. And apnea is when you have a cessation of breathing for more than 10 seconds. So that's an apneic event. Hypoxia depends on which insurance company you're talking to, but hypoxia is basically when you have a 3% drop in blood oxygen levels in about a minute. So when you take those two events and put them together to create a score, you get the AHI score, and that's the number of times in an hour that you have that event, either a 3% drop in blood oxygen or a cessation in breathing of more than 10 seconds. Dr. Singletary, untreated, the first time that he ever took it, his AHI was 44, which means that 44 times an hour, which is three-quarters of the time, 75% of the time, he was either not breathing or he had a reduction in his uh, blood oxygen of more than 3%. That's scary. It is scary, especially when and this is actually an example of the report. It gives us this entire oximetry over the course of the night. He actually spent about 40% of his time below 89% blood oxygen saturation. Now, people that walk into the ED with COVID, they're in the low 90s, high 80s. If you're in an operating room are you on table and your blood oxygen level is below 89%, the anesthesiologist is very upset with you and so is the CRNA. I mean, that's one of those things where it's dangerous. Organ failure starts happening very shortly after that. So
0: I wanna talk more about sleep apnea and we're talking about the testing here. Is, is
2: testing the only way to actually determine if someone has sleep apnea? It's the only way to properly medically diagnose it. While well, snoring is the primary symptom of it if someone observes you stop breathing, but you have to have, you have to be able to measure the effort in your chest. You need an effort belt to do that. You also need um, a pulse oximeter to check the amount of oxygen in your blood to make sure those two correlate. And you also need to be able to measure the flow. In addition to your heart beating, you need a microphone to record the snoring. Most people, when they need a sleep study, they have to go to a test facility, which in and of itself is a hassle. One, they're booked out because the majority of the population has some problem of sleep. Because you, when you think about it, you spend almost a third of your life sleeping. So it would make sense that almost a third of your medical necessities would be related around sleep. So getting into a facility is very difficult. It's not your bed. You've got a stranger washing you, and you've got all these wires hooked up to you. So And it's very problematic, and you have to do it multiple times to get a good reading. With the advancement of technology, you know, cloud computing, and everything else, we're able to do take-home tests that allow us to get a – we can assess the tests when they come in. We cannot diagnose them. We actually have to send them out to be scored by someone who's trained to do that. And then once that's scored, it actually is interpreted by a licensed sleep physician in the state of North Carolina before a diagnosis is given back to us. So that's how the testing works. It's remarkably simple. And at our office, um, our costs of our tests are actually our costs to the patient. We use it as a screening tool. One of the things that I love working about Dr. Singletary with is that our mission at North Raleigh Periodontics, is to serve and not be served. We're not looking to get ahead on everybody. We're actually here. Dr. Singletary has been practicing for, he doesn't like to say it, but almost more than four decades. And he he is genuinely concerned about the health of his patients. And not only that, but there was a, a recent study, not a study, there was a finding at an ADA meeting that as clinicians, if Dr. Singletary or myself, if we notice somebody with signs of sleep apnea and we don't make an effort to either inform them about it or to treat it, we're liable if something were to happen to them. So that's how important it is that it's addressed,
0: Doctor Singletary. I want to bring you back in here for a quick bit because it took Monica recording you uh, and getting this test. I think to maybe kind of hit you over the head with, "Hey, this is a, a pretty serious issue here." But I would imagine that the impact and the effects and the toll that this had on your body—it's it's gradual and it's happening mm. while you're sleeping, so you're mm. not conscious, but you know, once you get that fixed, can you describe maybe what you were experiencing before you knew you were experiencing it? Like, was it just complete fatigue? You know, what, what were you, what were some signs that you look back on now and say, Oh yeah, that was a big problem.
2: The Keurig consumption at North Raleigh Perry was <laughs> extremely high. <laughs>
1: yeah, It's interesting you say that because I'm generally a healthy person and I, I'm, I'm, I'm a dental phobic. I don't like going to doctors. Sorry about that guys. Um, and you know, I, Think I have a lot of energy. Uh, one thing I did notice it, it was during my sleep, um, I always I would wake up, and I would think it was just something in the back of my throat, like phlegm or something, and I would had to clear my throat. One time I remember waking up and I was choking. It was odd, um, but generally uh, we homeschooled our younger. Our, our kids are out now, but years ago we'd homeschool. I come home and sort of help take over. I could not do anything without taking a nap. The kids all laughed at dad's going to come home, he's going to take a nap, and then he's going to be back on track. And and that was basically it. Um, I generally have a lot of energy, but now I'm bounding. I mean, I just, I I feel great. I feel more alert, you know, even though I don't, didn't think I was losing concentration, but maybe mid afternoon, I would have a little bit of a slump. And, uh, but now I just, I mean, patients ask, are you going to retire? No, I feel great. I'm, I'm, I'm like the ever-ready battery bunny. I'm going to keep on going as long as the brain and the hands work together, and we're good.
2: It's actually really incredible. Uh, one of the things that is really important when it comes to sleep cycling is hormones, um, you know, testosterone men, estrogen in women, but most of all, cortisol. Cortisol is a stress hormone, so when you're either apneic or snoring or getting very poor sleep, the cortisol levels are very high. And when that happens, uh, you retain fat, your energy levels and everything else are just off. I have pictures of Dr. Singletary from two years ago before he started taking his sleep apnea seriously. He was about 20 pounds heavier, a lot a lot heavier in the face. And in all fairness, he is three decades older than I am. I'm a very scant 42-year-old, but um, when I was working with him, the first year I worked with him, I had trouble keeping up with him. I thought this man had boundless energy. I found out his coffee consumption was through the roof. But uh, since he's been wearing his mandibular advancement device and he's had night which is another really interesting procedure that we do, I think we're the only ones in the area that do it, uh, he placed first in his age group in a DECA competition that I competed in as well. <laughs> and this is sad because he beat me by nine minutes. <sighs> It's, it's a Spartan deck competition. I'm sure the listeners out there can look it up, but it's it's 10 stations. And between each station, whether it's like lunges or rowing or burpees, you have to run a tenth of a mile. This man is 30 years older than me. I, I outweigh him by 100 pounds. Like, that is a factor. But he still beat me by nine minutes. And the only thing different between uh, before and after was the fact that he had... Uh, his sleep apnea treated, not only that, but after he, we started sleep apnea treatment, very shortly thereafter, we got him in at the local gym, which you know I had been a member of for a while, and he's been exercising regular. He's been sleeping great. He's been doing everything. He has more energy now. I didn't think it was possible because when I met him, I thought he was the Energizer Bunny. And now he's sort of like the nuclear-powered Energizer <laughs> Bunny. He just, he just doesn't stop. I don't know where. He, I don't know how he gets it all.
0: Well, uh, Dr. Singletary, you're a more humble man than me because I would have introduced Dan as the guy that I beat by nine minutes in the uh, the decathon (laughs) when I first introduced him. But uh, well, you kind of led into this a little bit, Dan, but let's, let's get into this discussion of treatment. So we've gone in, we've taken our tests that it's a lot easier to do now compared to in years past, thanks to technology. We found out that there's an issue here. What's the next
2: step? Determining the severity of the issue. We had a patient most people taking were between 3,000 to 6,000 breaths a night when they're sleeping. I had one patient who, who took 300. Wow. He literally took one breath and did not breathe for about anywhere between a minute to a minute and a half, so about 90-second breaks between each single breath. His AHI was over 100 between the desaturations and the uh, apneic events. It was absolutely bonkers. It was morbid sleep apnea. The guy was going to have a stroke.
0: Yeah, I mean, just try and do that listening to this show. You know, hold your breath for 60 to 90 seconds at a time. See how long you can do that before you can't do it anymore.
2: No, and he did it cyclically. I mean, and he slept for, you know, six hours, but he didn't actually sleep. So, and I mean, here again, he was hypertensive, morbidly obese. Um, When we have situations like that, you know, we have to get a primary care physician involved in that. Now, those are usually the exceptions and not the rules. Uh, Most people snore to some degree, and when it comes to snoring, here again, it's an aesthetic issue. When you're talking about apnea and cessation of breathing and drops in blood oxygen level, an HI score of zero to five is pretty much considered normal or par for the course, even you know, 12 year olds. My son, he's 13 years old, he snores. I mean, he's also 13, he sleeps half the day, right? that's what it is, <laughs> um, and that's a positional thing too. But when you get in the 10 to 15 range, that's considered mild to moderate. And we have two different solutions for that. Uh, the first solution that we like to tend to is uh, a minimally invasive procedure we call Night which we perform with a laser. It's um, very cool, it's a, it's an ND YAG laser. We used uh, basically biostimulation to sort of uh, take care of all the collagen in the back of the throat. And then we use a more intense laser to sort of tighten up and shrink the collagen molecule, molecules. If you ever look at collagen underneath a microscope, it looks like a really long chain. When you hit it with a um, NDAG laser, it compresses, it, it, it shrinks. And when you do that, um, we have to understand the back of the throat, the vast majority of it, like 75% of the soft palate is comprised of collagen. So when you do that, you shrink the molecules, you open up the walls, the pharyngeal walls in the back of it, and you raise the uvula up. So when you do that, you open up your airway, it decreases upper airway resistance. Um, and with um that protocol it's usually like you know three or four office visits and then you're good for 18 months so that's what we lean to when we have a, a mild to moderate case generally speaking if someone has an HI of 10 or lower or 15 or lower and don't want to do a mandibular advancement device that's what we do
0: so you said uh, usually about three to four visits what goes into those visits do you have to be sedated how does that work
2: It's remarkably simple and there's zero discomfort. Um, I was one of the first people that we tried it out on. It was great. We actually had a a party uh, yesterday, actually, where we were trying out on, or not trying out, but we were performing it on. Uh, some of the family of the staff members for some uh, local dentists in the area, just showing them what we're capable of at the office. It's about a 15 to 20 minute appointment for a night lady's appointment. You walk in, there's no anesthesia involved. You put on some pretty funky glasses to protect your eyeballs. And then you lean back. Dr. Terry might tell two or three really bad jokes um, <laughs> over the course of the 15 minutes. Um, but what it is, there's about 12 sites on either side of the palate. So there's 24 sites. Each site gets about six pulses of 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 the laser and for about six rounds, we treat the back of the tongue, um, which also plays into things and then we treat the floor of the mouth. Whole process takes about 15, 20 minutes for a session and drive in, drive out. As far as aftercare goes, a bottle of water Gotcha. So after those three or four visits, are, are, are we done? Is there any ongoing maintenance well, well, that needs to be done? It's remarkably unfair. Um, one of our best patients was a, a dentist who's retired and um, he's about 75 years old. And uh, generally speaking, the older you are, if, you, if you've been like a smoker for a long time or you're the back, if you've been wearing a CPAP for a long time, the, the, the elasticity of the soft tissue of the back of the throat is degraded more severe than it is with, like, a 23-year-old college student. Uh, Dr. Singletary's son, uh, Mitchell, who is 20, 22, he did one treatment, and he was his, his oral pharyngeal opening was gigantic and stayed that way for over a year with just one treatment. Wow. Well, he has a lot – Collagen is maintained by our sex hormones, so estrogen in women, testosterone, in men. So obviously if you're 18 to 25 years old, you're going to have a lot more than a 75-year-old. That being said, um, generally speaking, after you have you know the first session, second session, third session, you might require a fourth one just to get it up to where we want it to be. We don't stop until the process is complete, and there's no additional charges if you need a fourth appointment or a fifth appointment to get you where you need to be. We take care of you. I mean, that's what we're here to do. We're here to serve. But generally speaking, if you're, I would say if you're in uh, late to middle age, so, you know, the 50 to 60 range, those results are going to last for about 18 months. And at that 18-month mark, you have to come back and we do a touch-up appointment because the collagen, there's less of the hormones to maintain the collagen. So over time, it gradually starts to elongate again. It only takes one appointment to snap it back together. And then you're good for another 18 months. So you don't have to repeat you don't have to repeat the entire protocol over again. But it is one of those things where you do have to, you know, be mindful of it. And generally speaking when the results start to wear off is in the, you know, the 14 to 15 month range. Now that being said, if someone's like on hormone replacement therapy or if they're an outlier, it could be longer, it could be shorter. But generally speaking, we like to have everybody come back at the you know the 12-month to 15-month mark for a touch-up.
0: So it seems pretty easy. Uh, it's, it's ridiculously easy. It's
2: pain-free other than maybe a, a bad joke or two. Are there any age restrictions to this? None at all. In fact, we were talking to one of the laser representatives. There are a lot of pediatric dentists that are um, bypassing tonsillectomies mm-hmm. and um, doing this treatment to reduce the size of it because, here again, tonsils are... 75, 80% comprised of collagen. So when there's uh, airway restriction in children, um, they've been using this technology in uh, California, Florida, Charlotte, places like that to actually open up the airway on pediatric patients. Very cool. So uh, I
0: I think... We've covered everything with nightlays. Are there any other treatments that are used for sleep apnea?
2: Well, the gold standard is is a CPAP, and that's a continuous positive airway pressure. I'm sure everybody's seen a stand-up comedian. I know I get them all on my Facebook feed, but the Darth Vader mask or the fighter pilot mask that everybody wears, uh, that is the gold standard. But there's something to be said about that because if I had 100 people in a room and say, hey, you guys have sleep apnea. You guys need a CPAP. Usually, it's more guys than girls, but let's just assume it's guys. About 50 of them, about 50% of the people would actually accept treatment and go get a CPAP machine, go through their insurance, the whole nine yards. If I were to go back six months later and check on those 50 individuals out of the 100, only 10 would still be wearing it. So it's effective 99.9% of the time when you use it, but the efficacy rate is 10%. You still have 90% of people who aren't using it. And the reason for that, well I think for single guys the reason for it is because no one is ever going to want to date me wearing this on my face it looks like the alien face hugger from like alien and aliens mm-hmm. with like scorny weavers like <laughs> so there's that number two uh, there are people out there with latex allergies that is a big thing um, My father I'm actually you know at six, six and 270 pounds I'm the smallest guy in my family my brother is you know six nine and 500 pounds my dad is like he was six six and you know 400 plus they both wear CPAP machines and they have strap marks on their face. Um, you know, and my dad's claustrophobic, so he doesn't wear his. Also there's maintenance with it because there's humidity factors with it. Not only that, the longer you wear it, the worse the condition of the soft tissue in the back of your throat. But here again, because it's this continuous flow of air, it's like this whoosh, the elasticity of the collagen in the back of your throat, your uvula, and all that area, it hangs down worse during the day. Which is why night lasers is really good because when you open open that up, that wave resistance, it's not just when you're sleeping; it's all the time. We ha- we've had anecdotal reports. Uh, we have a, a friend of the practice who's an OBGYN, who's a competitive cyclist, and he was one of our first patients to get it done, and he dropped something like three minutes off of his, you know, ten mile time, which was unheard of after he's been you know cycling for thirty years, and the only difference was that. So, Dr. Singletary, he actually did um, a mandibular advancement device and we use two different manufacturers. The first one is called Panthera, they're also based out of Canada, really good people. And they do a 3D printed nylon, it's very low profile. Um, it's really good for people who also grind their teeth. Um, bruxism is when you grind your teeth and it causes all sorts of problems with occlusal trauma, recession, things of that nature but 75 percent or 80 percent of people have bruxism also have some form of sleep apnea so we do have something that that covers both those because when you wear a mandibular advancement device, it's like having two night guards one on the upper and one on the lower arch and they're hinged together and it's adjustable so very comfortable but also prevents you from grinding your teeth so sort of killing two birds with one stone the other company we use is a company called OptiSleep. Sleep, and this is all done digitally. It's very cool. Doctor Singletary is very kind when he took me on to let me have a technology budget, which I abuse. I, abuse is not the right word. Don't out yourself here on the podcast. You know, <laughs> it's, you, uh, it's research, right? Re, it's, yeah, it's, re, it's research-related. Research but you know, we we have a CBC machine, which is, stands for Cone Beam Computerized Tomography, which gives us a very uh, detailed three-dimensional X-ray that's all digital. Uh, we have a very powerful workstations. We have a, a Medit i700 enteral scanner that creates a, an STL file, which is like a printable file of what the, your teeth look like and how they are in three dimensions. And we have really powerful software where we can merge the two together. And then we send all that information off to a company in uh, Germany and they 3D print this all out and they mail it back to us. The only thing we have to really worry about is customs at GFK holding it up. But the turnaround time from the time someone like comes in to the time where they have either appliance or treatment is about 10 days. So it's remarkably effective and 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 it's remarkably effective and very easy to use.
0: Yeah, it sounds like it would be something very useful because it, you were showing me before the show. I mean, it just looks like a small little mouthpiece. Yeah, you- it's,
2: it's, 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 it's actually really cool. Uh, and here again, I've had this for eight years, and I'm also a bruxer. but basically what it does, it uses the, the maxillary, the upper part of your jaw, it locks in with undercuts, and same thing on the bottom, and they're hinged together, and it just advances the jaw a little bit forward. Um, and when you do that, you're opening up the airway, preventing the soft tissue collapse, you're preventing your tongue from going backwards. I mean, I would demonstrate it for video, but if you lean your head back, it's like that. But if you were to put this on, can't do it. Can't do it. So. So that, that's what I show my patients like. How how does that prevent me from snoring? And that's exactly how it does it, because if you look at your esophagus and everything else, it's very sinewy. It's almost like an accordion. Once it gets to a certain amount of advancement, it pops open and stays open. Well, Doctor Singletary,
0: before we head out, we always have an action step for the listeners. What would that be for this episode?
1: Well, listen to the people in your family or significant others, your bed partner. If they say you're snoring and keeping you awake, and you're denying it. You, know, you might you know, heed their advice. You might want to you know, get it checked out and get it confirmed. And it's a simple thing to do, and we can evaluate it. It's just a simple test. I'm not a sleep facility guy. That's why we got the bond at the office. I'm not going to go to a sleep program in you know, a different place. I can't sleep. It's got to be in my own bed. The device itself is real simple to use. So you know, heed your family members. If somebody says you're doing it, confirm it or get it evaluated.
0: That's great advice because there's really nothing there to lose. You know, your health is too important. The risks associated with sleep apnea are far too serious to be ignored. Dr. Singletary, Dan, thank you both for your time and your expertise today. That'll do it for us. We hope you'll join us again next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Gum Guru Podcast. If you want to know more about night lays and oral devices for snoring or you'd like to schedule an appointment for a sleep study with Dr. Singletary, check out their website at NorthRaleighPerio.com. If you have other questions you'd like to have answered on the Gum Guru podcast, send them to contact at NorthRaleighPerio.com.